I never quit, you know what I mean? But just telling yourself, like, if I looked at the life I have now at 14 to 15, I would like to have, like, more money, but that don't mean nothing. Some others, they may have shied away from that because of my reputation at that point in time, but it's all a matter of knowing the whole person, right? Because if you knew me, you would know that I'm extremely intelligent. I'm a hard worker. I had a personality. I wasn't afraid to show it. Can I get this? And he's like, no. I was like, I know you got the money. He pulled the money. I said, this is my money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not sure. You don't need that. He's yeah. like, you don't need none of that stuff. So you can let it go. He's like, no Bill's character. So no. He laughed and put the money back right. in his pocket. What's up? Welcome to the You Know's Best Pod. I appreciate your support. In return, I hope I provide you with some worthwhile gems that benefit you on your journey. At the very least, I hope I put a smile on your face. If not, hopefully you share this with someone that does benefit. And I got you next time. Again, thanks for joining today, and let's get this thing going. Uh, welcome to another episode of the You Know's Best Pod. I'm gonna give you the truth, the whole truth, so help me God, well, as best as I can. So, um, got the homie Hollis here. You yes, say sir. Your whole name is just Hollis. Hollis full of love. Full of love. <laughs> yep. Right. Uh, showing love today. Um, Hollis is an entrepreneur from the Midwest. Yep. To East Chicago. East Chicago, Indiana. Because if yep. you're not from here, you won't know the difference. Right? No, you will not. There's Chicago. There's East Chicago. But East Chicago is where? It's in Indiana. So it's very similar to how East St. Louis is in Illinois or how Kansas City is in Missouri. Right. You know, there's also Kansas City, Kansas, but no. Yes. You know, it's the same concept. We east of Chicago and we're in the state of Indiana, which if you look on the map, they're direct neighbors. Yeah. And I, I learned that when I moved here. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, big time entrepreneur, big, big pillar in the community. Um, new father. No father, yeah. Right. Oh, wow. I like that one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. Um, so, you know, I wanted to bring him on. It's tax season. Yep. You know, Hollis is an expert in getting people and their taxes right. Yep. I ain't gonna say getting people money because sometimes you're gonna end up paying. I'm an accountant. We like to put it like that. I'm yes. an accountant. Yes. Yep. Big time accountant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so thanks for coming on the show, bro. I appreciate you for having me, most definitely. Uh I like to run my mouth, so this is always something that works for me, but I appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I was, uh, so, like, like I say, you're from East Chicago, yep. right? And really, it's interesting, like, you play sports, right? You yes, right? play football, basketball, baseball, all the right. things. Yeah. And went to Butler. Yep. But what made you want to get into accounting? Okay, so I was always really good at math. I'm a, was a typically very high-achieving student. Um, as I like to so humbly put it. But from a standpoint of when I went to school, that's 2010, we were still in like the recession. And you would get on the news and see people that had college degrees that was homeless in certain areas. And, you know, not really knowing too much about what that was about. I was like, okay, I need to find a way to get a job ASAP, right? So my freshman year, uh, I had like, an, I knew I wanted to be in business. Uh, I knew I wanted to own my own business. I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Uh, I didn't have any entrepreneurship in my family like that I could really see and touch and feel. But so we had exploratory business classes and we also had to start businesses at Butler. Like as a part of the business curriculum, you have to run a business your freshman and sophomore year. So in my exploratory business class, there had there was a, a graphic that one of my professors had put up there and it listed the uh, highest paying majors in the business college, as well as the highest job placement in accounting was number two with the medium income at $70,000 and uh, the job placement was 100%. So immediately me thinking like, you know, hey, I ain't trying to be homeless, I'm doing this, right? Um, and so I think it's something that goes into having like 
that kind of singular focus with things because it's not like I had a passion for accounting. I didn't even know what accounting was. I just knew yeah. like, all right, well, this is a clear way I could find a way to be okay after I graduate college. I'm only a freshman, you know, but I, I didn't want to be a situation where I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to go. Or, you know, I wanted to get to it. So from that standpoint, uh, I just was like, I decided that's what I was going to do. I went to my um, advisor and changed my major to accounting immediately. Um, and they was like, you know, you're only a freshman. You got time. I was like, nah, I'm going to do this. So I didn't even have an accounting class until my sophomore year. And when I had it, I was so focused on, I'm going to be an accountant. I got it like a 99% A in that class. Mm -hmm. So, and it just made sense to me. But I think it's something, it goes to the fact like, you know, I had said, I'm going to do this. This is an easy, clear path to me. Right. I'm good at math. I didn't even know what accounting was, but I was like, if I can do this and I can make $70,000, mind you, I just did my FAFSA. So I know in my parents' situation, what that would, where that would put me at. I'm like, all right, bet. So I'm doing this. You know what I mean? And yeah, facts. I've just been doing this since. You know what so what I mean? did you before you changed? I was exploratory business. So that was only a, a couple of weeks. I found that accounting major within the first month of being in college. Okay. So it was like, I guess exploratory business is like really just like general. Anything general in the business category that you can declare as exploratory and they ask you to pick a major at the end of your freshman year. Okay. Yeah. Bet, bet. And so then you matriculate through college, right? Yep. Uh, in that time, you know, you did some other extracurricular activities. Right? Like I was an RA? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, to go through, like, because we black, right? It's Black yeah. History Month. Yeah, I'm a member of a black Greek letter organization. Yeah, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Yeah, so I became a Q. That was a great choice, one of the greatest choices. So, I mean, honestly, I don't even know if I would have my business if it wasn't for the frat because um, a little bit after that, after I graduated, I had a job and I hadn't started my business yet. I didn't, I wasn't even a thought. I had a job. I was unhappy. Um, and my barber was uh, the Q's and he was, he owned his own business. He had a, a tax office. He was a barber. He had real estate. You know what I mean? He was, we worked for ourselves. Facts, you know what I'm saying? He worked for himself. And, you know what I mean? I, I still couldn't see that for me. I was 22, 23, 22. And he, uh, I was just telling him, like, I really was unhappy in the job I had. And he was like, you know, well, you know, read this book. He gave me the book. And some people, you know, don't like the book. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He gave me the book. Uh, and it really was like clicking to me, like, wow, like, you know, there's an alternative way to try to live your life. And being an entrepreneur is the only way where you can only really control your environment. Right. And kind of the same thing where I chose this uh, major to be an accountant. It was the same message where it's like, I found truth here and I could I could find a direct line to what this person was saying to how it affected my actual real life right. and what I was actually dealing with. And regardless if the the author or the person giving the message might not be uh, a truth teller, because the people have different things about the guy that wrote that book. Right. But personally, I could find something that made sense to me. And I just was like, well, this is what I'm doing now. And I started four businesses in that month. And my frat brother sat me down and showed me how to do it, told me all the paperwork I needed to fill out, where, where I, what I needed to do to be compliant. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own accounting firm. That's what's up, bro. Like, I think a lot of times with people, they one, they're not humble enough to ask somebody else, like, hey, how do I do this? How yeah, do I approach facts. this? But also, like, you know, you never know what you're going to take from something, right? Just yeah. because uh, everybody doesn't agree with this person. Or like, even taking advice from somebody that's a barber, right? Yeah. Most people are not thinking, oh, this barber is doing other things yeah. outside of being a barber, right? Yep. Um, and being saying, like, okay, I'm going to listen, bro, because he's successful with what he's doing, mm -hmm. right? 
You said he was doing taxes, and so he had a bar. He had like a a commercial building where one side was the barbershop, and then another office space was his tax office. His brother was running it out of there. See, so like I think that's super dope because there's always a different way, yeah, to like build wealth or build like you know a, a sustainable lifestyle Facts. for your family that's not traditional. Like it ain't a corporate nine to five. Facts. Like, I think a lot of times people will be like. Well, they sell this American dream. That yeah. You gotta go, gotta go do the nine to five. Facts. Uh, or you won't ever make no money. And this is somebody who I seen had two kids. He was homeschooling his kids, had his wife. He was happy. You know right. what I'm saying? He had a smile on his face every day. He had money in his pocket. When he said he wanted to go buy a new car, he bought a new car. When he said he wanted to go buy some more property, he bought some more property. He was growing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In his mid, maybe mid, late 30s to early 40s. You know what I'm saying? I could see like this is a life I could tangibly feel and touch. Mm-hmm. And then when I started to think about it, there was another person in my own community. I grew up with my neighbor. He kind of was in the same lane where he was like an entrepreneur and I was the only entrepreneur we all knew. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But at the time when he started, I was in high school. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So it was very early in that process. So what he was doing was he had a cell phone store and he grew the cell phone business out to where he became the biggest retailer for that particular type of cell phone in the Midwest. And on top of that, uh, he started building out his portfolio of real estate, which now is super huge. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And we seen him become a millionaire, but I seen it because number one, I was my neighbor. Mm-hmm. He was my substitute teacher. Oh, well, uh, you know okay. what I mean? Because when he had the cell phone store, he was substitute teaching too. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And on the other side, it was like when I got back home, from being in Indianapolis where I was in school to coming home and I got my own business, I rented out space from me, you know what I'm saying? So I could build my business. And I'm watching him every day, just kind of seeing how, you know, he ran his, his organization. So, yeah, it was like, for me, I was tired of, like, having to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, people talking to me a certain way. Mm-hmm. It was like, I ain't got to... Whatever my parents put into me and my family put into me, I've got this... Irrational mentality. confidence, yeah. yeah. Uh, mentality that I'm special and I should be treated as such. But I, not that I'm a prima donna, but I want to be valued. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't being valued in corporate America, so I had to get up out of there. No, I think I think that's very true for a lot of like people that, that are like us. Like, yeah, I've you know I, we have a, our common friend Marty. I always yeah. say like, Hollis is me if I had as much money <laughs> as Hollis does. <laughs> But it's, it, it is like this thing where you know who you are. Yeah. And you're confident in that. Yep. Right? Uh, we, I was just at church today and they was talking about how uh, that that having humility yeah. and being confident and people taking it as arrogance. Yeah. Right? Facts. Um, oh, yeah. All the time. And like, it's funny that like one of my mentors at work told me that there's a fine line between confidence, cockiness, and arrogance. Facts. He said confidence is... Knowing some, knowing that you could do something that you've proven over time. Mm-hmm. Cockiness is knowing that you can do something that you have yet to prove. Yep. And arrogance is knowing that you cannot do something and yet and still insisting that you can. Yeah. So I would say also confidence to like piggyback on that. Confidence comes from putting the work in. Right. So I know I do it over time because I'm going to spend 20 hours a day if I got to to make sure that whatever it is we're doing, we, it's going to happen and I'm going to stand on that. You know what I mean? That, that's where the confidence came from. Right. Like just having that mentality of like whatever has got to be done, I'm gonna do every single thing to make sure that happens. Right. And so we met, uh, like we didn't even meet through Marty. We met in the bay. In the yeah. bay, yeah. right? Um, and you were out there doing the corporate thing. Yeah. So it's a it's a journey. So uh let's kind of rewind. Yeah. So when I was in college, uh 
I was an intern at the biggest financial or the largest financial services firm in the world. Right. And they had me from sophomore, junior, senior year. I started in accounting. You have to have 150 credit hours to go into public accounting and be able to sit for the CPA exam or already have it. Um, I did it a different way. I was like, look, I'm not about to spend another forty, fifty thousand dollars getting a master's in accounting at Butler. I went to community college, took whatever courses that would fit that curriculum so I could sit for the CPA, met that requirement. And I already had started my business, but then I moved back home and was working in Chicago at that same firm I interned at. Um, and simultaneously running my business and doing that. And I wasn't taking it too serious at first. But as time went on, I could start to see, even in this, now this was not the same job I was hating. This was a totally different this is like a career. People take this as a career. And this is like, this is the MBA of accounting. You know right. what I'm saying? Like the highest of the high. And from that standpoint, I thought I, maybe I was going to be able to do that um, for a long time. I gave it a real shot. But then you easily start to see this is not an environment that I can truly succeed in while remaining who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to compromise a few of my, uh, not even so much from an integrity standpoint, just your personality or compromise um who you are, the essence of you as a person, specifically being a black man from the neighborhood I come from and the relationship I have with people in that neighborhood. I could not be myself. I was going to have to start getting bad haircuts and wearing weird uh, clothes and okay. bad shoes to be, you know, successful. They weren't going to buy you the true house. No, I was going to have to be like Braxton Hardner Brig to be successful in that environment for me. Now, others might not have to, but me personally, that was going to have to happen. Yeah. So, uh, it's not that I had any issues in that in that moment in time. I just was like, you know, let me really try to give what I also have available to me because at this point, my business is starting to grow. Like I did, uh, a, I did at the time. I'm living above my parents' house in the apartment they had above their home. Uh, I had rehabbed it, so I'm not paying rent. Only thing I got is a car note. I'm like, I didn't put away this money doing people's taxes in my neighborhood. And I did like I think 150 tax returns in that second year. I was in business and it was like, all right, this is a sustainable living if I actually like yeah. give it my whole focus, right? Yeah. So I quit and I was like, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't do anything for the next, the next six to eight months. I really was playing video games and trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, I'm just sitting on a bunch of money. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna be ready for tax season now. And like, so right around the time tax season was starting to happen, well, I say November, I started getting more serious, but I also started having other desires. Like, man, I want to like be an entrepreneur and do other things other than just taxes. I want to move to um, other places and experience other ways of life, not just be in this bubble of Indiana. Uh, and me and Marty had a conversation where it was like, you know, I want to do what I do, but I cannot. I'm so limited in how I can affect people here because it's only one of me. Or even if I had 10 people, you only do the work of 10 people. You know, I mean? right. you can't help people on a larger scale. And the conversation of like how technology could really play into that came into being. So in my mind, you know, I was like, all right, we have this idea that we're working on together. How can we really make it happen? I'm going to just come move to the back. You know what I'm saying? Like none of that's happening in where I live at. Like none of this is happening in this space. I'm going to just, I seen American Gangster. Frank Lucas said he wanted to go get that stuff. He had to go get it. So right. I was like, I'm going to go where they making it at and figure it out. And you know, uh, it didn't work that way, but I went over there and we was able to like live in the same building and, you know, kind of build on that idea and continue to build even now on that idea. But it's like, I needed to find a way to now supplement the living expenses that came with living in that area. Cause you know, it's super expensive. 
And I don't want to sacrifice the ability to grow the business. So what I did, I went back to work. I looked at it as I'm going to grad school, right? I'm going to learn how to scale my business the largest way I possibly can. I'm going back to this um, same company. I'm working in a different capacity because I still had the relationship. Like I said, I never had a bad experience. I just wanted to try my own hand. And it was like, okay, I don't know enough to really be an entrepreneur. I sat down for eight months and didn't do anything. But now I got the ability to learn at the highest level how to build a business in the financial services realm. Also, I got this other idea I'm working on, and I just thought it was like a good marriage of those things. And with me now having a job, I don't have to live off of the business money. I'm taking the business money. I got an office. I hired some people, and we actually, you know, got a traditional business. I had seen Nipsey Hustle do it, so I did the same thing. I went right to my hood. Like I said, that same person who I knew, he had office space. Mm -hmm. I rented it from him. Uh, we got it all remodeled, and I had my friends working for me, and it was like, you know, we this is how we work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that I think a lot of times people forget that like um, you can go learn something like yeah. I think a lot of times people go to go to their nine to five job and learn absolutely nothing. No, you need to learn everything from there. Yeah. Right. Like um, how to scale your business, yep. how, how to create SOPs, yep. how, to, how to how things structure, how you don't want your company to be structured. Yep. Um, what deliverables you give your, right. your customers. Uh, how do you charge? What's the time? What's the rates? Mm -hmm. um, how are they financing this whole operation? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, because typically nobody just has a bunch of money and they paying for everything. They got some kind of loans or backing or some kind of relationship with some kind of bank. And it's like, knowing all those things, I didn't know. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So now I had the opportunity to go out into it. And still, I was 24, 25. To go out into this larger organization and really kind of soak up as much as I can at the highest level. You know what I mean? And it was exciting, extremely exciting prospect. But as you know, that's like the things that you expect you going into is not how it always plays out. Yeah, it never like, but I think that that's the important piece of being able to pivot, right? Yeah. Being able to adjust on the fly. I think the biggest thing I took from my MBA is just like understanding that even something that is seemingly perfect yep. has a flaw. Oh, it always does. Right. Yeah. Like I, and, and I'm then like, you're not perfect. You're going right. to have flaws. Right. right. And I, I and I, I implore everybody to look into design thinking because it will make you look at everything around you and think about how you can make it better. Yep. Right. Yep. Like even in your everyday life, like, hey, I, I, I wake up at this time. Maybe if I wake up 30 minutes earlier, I can get this much more yep. done in my day, have Thanks. more time, more free time at the back end of my day. Right. Because yep. maybe that you waking up 30 minutes earlier, get you like, through traffic quicker, which means you can go to work quicker. Mm hmm. Get whatever you need to get done, which means you can leave earlier yep. and have more productive time to do whatever you're not, whatever your after five business is yep. after work. Facts. Instead Facts. of sitting at work trying to avoid traffic. Yep. <laughs> like, when you're angry, you, know, yep. you come in with a bad attitude, you ain't get the time you needed to maybe decompress when you woke up in the morning or prepare yourself to be able to deal with that. Right. It's like you have to think. And I guess that also comes with accounting. It's the law of conservatism. You got to just assume the worst in every situation. Yeah. Right? We're going to make the least amount of money as possible. We're going to have the highest expenses as possible. And we got to be able to operate in that, whatever that margin is between making the least amount and having the most expenses. Right. So then if you don't have as high as expenses or if you make more money, it's, it's great. Extra. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? And so that's kind of how I still to this day live my life. Like I'm going to assume not the worst in terms of, oh, my goodness, everything is going to fall. And you 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 do go through that, but then confidence of being able to prove yourself in different places and saying, okay, look, I know we're gonna do this. 
and I put the work in to assure we're going to do this. Um, assuming that, man, you know, everything could go wrong, or I'm prepared for all those things to go wrong, and I'm going to be able to handle it if it does. Um, so when it doesn't, it's a great day. You know what I mean? It's a, everything did not fall apart. It's a great day. Right. So you you in the bay, yeah. and I find out you you gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. How's it out? Right? Yeah, I'm pieced out. I was out of there. So that was a, a number of different things. Uh, the first of it being, all right, so I'm in this job. I'm supposed to be like in grad school learning about how to be better at my business. The first week I had my office open, we had a big party to, it was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, it's crazy how things just like stay the same, but they change and they elevate. So we had this event at the office, like a grand opening. We welcomed all our clients out. We had champagne and hors d'oeuvres, and it was dope. Mind you, just a smack dab in the hood, you know what I'm saying? So what happens that day is there's a huge fire that takes place somewhere else in the city. So now the fire department comes out and does like these uh, very particular fire inspections on each business operating in the city. Cool. So we failed a fire inspection. No big deal. We get that fixed, right? Both of my employees got to have emergency surgeries. One of them tore their ACL. The other one had like a gallbladder surgery. So they alternate days when they in and out. It's like then our the next door neighbor, which is my you know I guess you could say mentor. Yeah. Uh, his his business gets like burglarized. They break a window and everything. Thankfully they they don't bother us. But it's like everything that could go wrong went wrong. That's you know what I'm saying? Wrong, right? I get put on a project at that job that's going to now have me flying from the Bay Area. I used to catch a six a.m. flight from Oakland to Los Angeles. I'm going the whole week. I come back on Thursday night and I either come back to Oakland in the Bay Area or I fly to Chicago to go check on my business. My my dog died where my parents was at in Indiana. It was like everything that could go wrong went wrong in this period of time. My job was terrible. The team I was on was horrible. People was like, it was just bad, bro. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. But the fact of the matter is, you talk about having a pivot, you also have to know how to endure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At that period of time, I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I didn't back down. I was, it was some very tough times, but I was understood like I have to go through this. And on the other side of it, I'll be able to have whatever it is that the reward is. You know what I'm saying? So we get through it, decide that, you know, look, I don't need to do this corporate America thing anymore. I learned to learn. I'm done with it. Be done. Uh, I'm a, this is not for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Right. So we go through the rest of that year and I'm gearing back up to like revamp the business. And my goal is, all right, I got this office space uh, at home. I could open up an office in Indianapolis just as easy because I got my business is 50 50 there. And I could open up an office out here in the Bay. I could open up an office in LA. I need to franchise this, right? I could sell these to people. But for in order for me to do that, I got to have everything documented, the SOPs, how we do business. It needs to be documented. Um, and record it, and we know that it actually works. So for me to actually be do that, I need to be here. So when tax season starts in 2020, you know what I'm saying? I go back to Chicago. I still got my place in the back. I go back to Chicago, like ready to rock and roll, and COVID-19 happens, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, dang. I mean, ultimately ended up being great for business, but it was no point in me being in the bed at this point because now I'm at home with my family and my friends and at least we can enjoy each other's company or I can go back to the bay and be stuck in my apartment where the restrictions is way more heavy. Stringent. Yeah, like you can't do nothing in California. Like you cannot leave your crib. Only thing I was doing, I went back a couple times to visit or to like check on my stuff and check on stuff like 
The only thing that I was seeing I could do was go walk the trail, like exercise outside, or go to the grocery store. Yeah. That's it. And it was like, bro, I'm not doing this. I'm like, <laughs> I could go sit on the porch with my homies. At least I got friends out there. Everybody yeah. had left. It was like no point in being there. Nah. Well, so two things. When we say SOPs, standard standard operating procedures. Yep. And don't want to use terminology that everybody don't really understand, but like that is basically how you you run your business. Like yeah. what what has to be done for this to get done, yep. what can't be done. Um this is how we're going to deliver things to our customers. Yep. Like, it is basically the constitution of your business. Yep. Right? The playbook. But, yeah, the playbook. But to your point, that's why I left. Yeah. Like, about, like, I don't know how everybody else's experience was in the first three, four months of the pandemic, but living in the Bay Area, it, it was rough. It was and you were, and you were, and you were further out where it was a yeah. little bit more lax. Yeah. I was in the city of Oakland and right. yeah, I was in the burbs. You could you couldn't be out past a certain time. Yeah. Uh they had social distancing at Whole Foods. So like I don't know how it is, how it was in Indiana, but like yeah. they had boxes that you had to stand in. Oh, we went line? Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> it wasn't like that in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Indiana red state, they weren't really tripping like that. Bro, and the crazy thing is, is when I when, so like I left, right? Because my parents are older and they both have their underlying health conditions. Yeah. So I I was stressing yeah, facts. being so far away from my family. And I was like, why well, am I paying rent to sit in the house? Yeah. Like, I was only paying the rent because I was going in the office and now I'm not going in the office. So there's really no point in me being there. Yeah. Um, but like when I drove to up, like I drove cross country to go home because I, I thought that was more fun than shipping my car. Um, I shipped my car twice to get to California and get back. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, I've never shipped my car to move. But um, I got back to Georgia. Mm hmm. And saw how open Georgia was. <laughs> I was disgusted. It was wild. I had to, I had to leave, leave my uh, Bay Area sensibilities about COVID and nah. this social distancing. Like people was in the club. We outside. They was outside. <laughs> Facts. The blue flame. Oh, I love it. They, they weren't even six inches of space, let alone six feet. No, we, we was outside, man. And I was like, bro, I was in Atlanta like every other week. We was outside. <laughs> It's crazy, like moving back home to Georgia, like meeting so many people that had left Indiana, like Danny. Yeah. Yeah. I met like uh the homies like John, yeah, Christian, like yeah, all these Indiana people have moved in. <laughs> like, it was cracking, right? Mind you, I'm out there all the time. Everybody in Atlanta, I'm like, oh, we living. Yeah, like Atlanta, Atlanta was the new like Indianapolis. Facts. Yeah. yeah. Everybody had moved. When Danny moved, it was like, all right, cool. So this is like 2020. One, we really start hanging out heavy like the end of 2020. So like 2021, I got stuck there because of a snowstorm for two weeks. I was standing at that crib. We was having a ball. I'm like, man, I love Atlanta. <laughs> I might need to move out here. Like, hey, it's lit. Atlanta's fool's gold, nigga. Oh, definitely. <laughs> 1,000%. Um, right. So you come back home. Yeah. And like you got, now you got the energy of family and friends. Yeah. Right. And... Like, let's talk about that journey. Like, so we're in the pandemic. Yep. And we come out. We, well, most no, of the No, no, no. We got to stay in the pandemic for a while. All right, let's talk about the pandemic. <laughs> so back to working in corporate America and not feeling that value. My second time around with that company, the first time was great. The second time, it was like blatant, like trying to diminish 
your value and what you bring to the table. In public uh, accounting and consulting, you work in teams. And the thing about these teams is it's not like they define your role for you up top. And especially if you ain't start with the team. So they'll throw mm -hmm. you on the team a year into a project. Right. And these people got defined roles. They're just going to give you like the nonsense work. You know what I'm saying? So, but I'm a type of person who give me nothing. I'm going to make it something. So I went through this whole experience where um, they asked me to put together a business continuity plan for a very large company that had just recently pivoted their business. Right. So they needed, they sold a bunch of business. They needed now to have a whole new finance department and a whole new way, SOPs, way of doing business. So I put together this business continuity plan, uh, assuming that if everything went wrong, they could still run their business, right? So I spent like three months putting this together. This is what it was assigned to me to do, right? One mm -hmm. life story asked me to do something different. This is what I was told to do. I did it, executed it, went really well. They were very happy with it. My direct lead came to me and was like, you know, I don't know why you wasted your time doing this. It really doesn't mean much to their business. I'm like, this is what you told me to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's cool. So then, uh, you know, funny, six months later, the pandemic happens and I know they're using my work to actually operate their organization. So it's cool. I leave. I'm at home. Tax season. Everything going smooth. People value my opinion here. You know, I can see the direct impact I'm having on people in this space from every level. You know what I mean? The movers and the shakers to just the regular people trying to get their tax refund. I can see how much they value the work that my company does because I still got people working in the office with me. Right. Right. So everything going really smooth and I'm, like I said, that renewed energy is like, okay, I can really see I can make an impact here and I can actually help. Uh, but then the pandemic happens and now all these local businesses who actually are going to be eligible to get this funding, um, they don't know how to get access to it. And I was very instrumental in helping that happen for a lot of companies, right? Um, because it was just having information. I remember when, if you can go on my Facebook right now, the day that the government released the PPP program and the EIDL program, I went live for an hour straight explaining what these programs is, explaining how you get access to this money. And, you know, not even thinking I could charge people to do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was never crossed my mind to do that. It was just like, put the information out there, let people get access to it, just save money. Because it was also like child tax credit got expanded. All these different things, the stimulus checks, all these different things the government released. And I went out and I explained all this for an hour. It's still on my Facebook page. And all of a sudden, a couple months later, when these programs start rolling out and people start realizing that it was actually money attached to it, my phone started blowing off the hook. And you have to wade through some of that, like the scammy, you know, the scammy, scammy and all that. But thankfully, one of the missions that we had as a company was like, if people are doing business and it's not buttoned up, we're going to try to help them first. So now I'm not talking about in 2020. I mean, 2016. It's people mm -hmm. who have companies who did not have everything structured correctly. We invested in that early. Like, let's try to get you all the way together on paper. So now, four years later, they can reap the benefits of being everything tied up. They got their tax returns in line from 16, 17, 18, 19. Everything made sense so they can now take advantage of this opportunity. Right. You know what I mean? And for us, it was like, well, we don't even have to go out and try to market this to try to get business because it was so scammy. It was so just me personally, I was like, it ain't worth the, the headache. That's what I'm with it. Mm -hmm. I got a ton of clients that I can already tap into this with and I'm adding value to make sure they're getting the money. We're not charging no percentages. We just look, just want to be paid for our time. And it really helped us kind of the business like blossom from there. Right. But now it's like you not you have to be smart and realize, like you said, fool's gold. This is a flash in the pan. You can't build your business off this. This is not coming around forever. This is a one-time thing. Thankfully, it happened twice. But still, it's not a situation that you could actually build a company on. So now my focus shifted to how are we going to actually scale this business? 
how are we going to, like, what are going to be the products and services we're going to put together to really build a seven, eight, nine figure company where it's not just, we cannot just do tax returns, right? And that kind of put us into the iteration of coming out of the pandemic and what we're doing over the last two or three years. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. So you basically were giving away like free game. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of times people don't understand the value of giving free game, yeah. but having something to back it up, to Facts. do something with it. Bro. Right? Like, because everything doesn't have, and I think that's what happens in our community. Like we get, people get so jaded. I'm going to teach a course. Like, yeah. Like, no, bro, just tell people what they even know what you do. Right. <laughs> just tell them what to do from what you know. Yep. And then let them come. Because if you give them enough information, they're going to be like, well, dude told me. He know what he's talking about. Yeah. Let me go talk to him yeah. real quick. Facts. That's and now I mean. you can charge them. Mind you, I've been in this business for years. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, so people had a certain level of trust too. Like, well, I know he know what he's talking about because this is the business that he's in. You right. know what I'm saying? And it was not all pretty. Like a lot of the times, the way we were doing business back then, which is why we don't do it like this anymore. We, in the tax game, like when you're doing people's tax refunds, there are larger banks that will split the refund, give you your portion. Mm-hmm. And they'll also front you the money and do the tax advances and all that. So with that being said, they typically create these temporary bank accounts for people when they do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's on the face of the tax return, right? It's like a, a it's like a financial product that you use and as a tax repair to, to receive your money and you don't ever have nobody paying you. That thing, I'm familiar. that thing was not ideal because now that people get a stimulus checks, they're gonna send a stimulus check based off of the bank account that's on the tax return, which is not their real bank account. It's a temporary account that right. was closed. So I had to call a hundred people and let them know this and be like, look, we're gonna figure out how to get you your money. That was not fun. They upset at me, not understanding. You know, everybody can't comprehend at the same level, but that was not a fun thing, which is why I said, I'll never do that again. Yeah. Because if any unforeseen, right now, I'm assuming something like that's going to happen because the law has just passed to expand out the child tax credit, right? Which it may mean that some people who've already filed their taxes are going to have to get a stimulus or a payout over a course of time. If we didn't have their regular bank account on there, It'll make it a hard thing for people to get their money. Because a lot of people in our community don't have bank accounts. Exactly. Right. Bro, it was a it was a like pulling teeth trying to figure this out. And it's not the people's fault. It was the IRS. But everybody's scrambling at this time because of COVID. But yes, because we had we had so much equity in our relationships and we had so much equity in doing the actual work and not looking to get paid, not just like everything being transactional. That when that opportunity, like opportunity matched with timing, the timing opportunity mm-hmm. matched perfectly. We was uniquely positioned. And again, I never tried to do this all over the country. I was just only focused on my little pocket of America right. where we were able to super hyper focus and get that done for everybody who was legally supposed to get it. And I think a lot of, I think there's something to that though, right? Mm-hmm. Like building your brand in your area, right? I think yeah. a lot, like understanding your market yep. and who, who are, what's your, you're like a, I guess total adjustable market. Yeah. At a certain point, right? I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I want to be global. Right? Yeah. Facts. Like I want to, I want to expand here. But bro, yeah, you're not even, course. you're not even. I tried that. Where you from? I tried that though. Right. I moved to California early. Right. I'm two years in. And you learn from your mistakes. I learned. Yep. I definitely yeah. learned. So you got to really hyper focus and dominate your space first. Right. So even now, like I would say, right now, um, from a business standpoint, if you are a black professional, anywhere between the ages of 25 to 45 uh, from the I can't even say Chicago, the South suburbs on down to Indianapolis. It's a chance you may have heard of our company. You know what I'm saying? Or 
if you're looking for this kind of work, whether it be in taxes or accounting, and you speak to somebody, we're going to be one of the few names that they're going to bring up if you're talking about those type of services. You know what I'm saying? And, and the name of the service is? Oh, so the name of the company is Crane Financial. Yeah. Services we provide, we do tax preparation, tax planning, and then we do an outsourced accounting function for small business. Okay. Yeah, because like that's the important piece of like yeah. when you're talking about this business that's doing well and doing great in the community. Right. We need we ne- yeah, we never actually we talked never about what the business that. was. Yeah. But like uh even like let's talk about that name. Like what made you come up with that name? Because that's not your last name. Oh, and, that's and my middle name though. Okay. So yeah. So, so going all the way back to the beginning, like my frat brother, right? So we sitting in a barbershop. He like, man, I can see it for you. Hollis, like, you should just go ahead. Come like, I'm gonna start my own accounting firm. Blah, 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 blah. But I just don't know what name, what to name it. And he's like, because they always make fun of me. My he's like, name it Crane Financial. I was like, that like, makes perfect sense. Crane? Is that- no, like, you know, Crane Lifting. No, no, I know that. But like, was it like, why, why? Why? Why you make fun of it? No, no. Why did they, why did your parents pick Crane? That's my father's middle name. I don't know. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm a junior. And my son got the same name. <laughs> I really don't know. Shout out to the uh, thirds. Yeah, yep. Facts. But I don't know why uh, that's his middle name or mine. It's just a name. You know what I'm saying? You got you to go do some research on that, bro. Yeah, I don't know if I want to. Because <laughs> I, I feel like it could be like off, it could buy a Crane from like. A Headless Horseman? Yeah. That's kind of dark, though. I don't know. <laughs> I want to put that on me. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's. It, it just is a name. So okay. from that standpoint, but it, it makes sense from a standpoint, whether you're talking about the bird and flying mm-hmm. or you talk about like lifting people up, right. uh, you know, so, you know, yeah. so that that was a part of it all. And it made sense. And we stuck to it. So really going back there, he gave me that name. My frat brother did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. And I just started running ever since. Like that was like, you know, once you get the name or something, it really is like, OK, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And it just gave me a whole concept that I've been able to kind of focus off of since then. Okay. All right. So you deal with people in their taxes and dealing with the ups and downs of, of the pandemic and all those programs, right? Yeah. Right. Now we out of that. Yep. Right? Yep. And we've been talking about this and you you talking about scaling your business, hiring on new people and yeah. other people opportunities, right? Because Facts. the business is evolving and becoming more mature. Yeah. Right. So what, like, how did you get to where you are right now? Okay. So... The unique opportunity in that first eight months of me being an entrepreneur <laughs> when I was doing nothing came to me where a friend of mine from college worked at a, a pretty decent sized nonprofit and they needed an accountant. So from that standpoint, we worked something out and we provided an outsourced accounting function to that, that friend's nonprofit. We've been working with them for almost 10 years now. From that first meeting we had with their overall board, so these are other nonprofits that are involved. Right. And we present the financials. Somebody walked up to me and that means said, man, I really like how you do business. Can you help my nonprofit? We start working with them. So now I have two relationships that are bringing in like almost a salary for me individually. And I always understood from working in public accounting that these are the type of relationships that you could scale your business with. I just didn't understand how to build them and how to package it and how to service it, right? So that everything works together. Going back to school, I mean, well, not school, but going back to work, which was school, allowed me to understand, okay, what are the deliverables? Uh, What are the, how to foster and manage these relationships? And what is important to these small businesses to be able to offer, to be able to package it and now sell it, right? I read a book called Built to Sell, where now, because all this pandemic money is flowing around, 
everybody want to do their taxes and everybody want to work with somebody they know is legit. I don't want to work with everybody because everybody ain't legit. You know what I'm saying? It was a lot of, a lot of, you got to fight through the minutia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting burnt out because now, even though my business is two, three, four times bigger, that's still really just me and one or two other people. And we just work into the bone. And when you talk about life is affected, it's terrible. And you talk about people's personal money, like, yeah. you know, they, they badgering you nonstop. It's where my check at, bro. Yeah. And it's like, bro, I don't control this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I put the, I put the paperwork in. I explained to them, and it's like, I cannot continue to do this. Like, this is not a sustainable way to live my life. Right. So the thought of possibly selling that side of the business first came at the top of 2021. Okay. So I read this book called Built to, Built to Sell, and the concept was you have to take your service-based business and make it all the services, different products. Okay. Meaning that you get this in this service. We don't deviate from this. Okay. If we do deviate from it, it changes the price. But honestly, it might just be no. You know what I'm saying? So I start approaching my business like that. I start looking at my pricing and saying, look, based on the amount of time that we spend on everything and what I pay people for that time, what I pay myself for that time, I got a price like this. I'm not going to advertise that side of the business no more because I understand that I cannot scale my business just doing taxes. The level of financial services that is, is low. But also, I had a unique opportunity because I worked with all these other small businesses to help them get access to finances through COVID. It's to say, your books need to be in a certain place. They were not. So now we can provide that outsourced accounting. Also, for you to get access to money in general, because now people starting to look at, well, how could I get a small business loan? I'm conversating. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm having conversations with banks and bankers, and they're telling me that our people typically don't have the right tax structure. And on how they taxes together in general in terms of to present to the bank to be able to get a loan. So I'm looking at the services we offer and I'm like, you know, I could be a lot more effective if we're offering tax planning and if we're doing the outsourced accounting function at certain levels. And you just got to go through the motions of number one, figuring out who your target is. Number two, figuring out what's the right price point for those people. Number three, figuring out how to serve them and what's the right cadence, right? Um, so we went through that with people we already worked with, right? I didn't go out trying to find any new business. The people we already currently had relationships with, some of them that were larger business, we said, look, this is what you pay us to do your tax return. It honestly would be a lot better. We could probably save you a lot more money and we could have a lot more of a strategic relationship if we stopped doing this at this price and did it at this monthly price. And the monthly price is fairly low. Right. Now you're retained. Putting them on retainer. Right. So and we'll give you this, this and this. And it was four or five companies we did that with. And at that point, this is strictly just proof of concept. Right. I'm not concerned about how much money we're making. I'm concerned about finding results. Well, making a promise to these people, going through a process with them throughout the year, delivering on what we offer and getting tangible results. So. That was the, all of 2021, which is five companies. 2022, I said, okay, now what I'll do go, as we go through the tax season, I'm going to speak to people who I can qualify and say they probably also could benefit from this service and see if they want to buy it. How can we sell it? What does our sales process look like? Mm. How can we build that out? What 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 do we give people in terms of uh, one-pagers or consultations that is based on that sale. How do we qualify clients? And that was all 2022. And we went and we kind of 
doubled up that that number of, of companies we was working with, and we also was able to successfully raise the price. So now it's like, okay, I'm making a n- money here that rivals our tax business, dollar to dollar, and I'm like, okay, but we still are in a proof of concept phase because these are all people I have relationships with. Mm-hmm. What if somebody came through the door cold? So I started investing money and bringing in cold leads. Um, well, cold outreach to bring in leads, right? Okay. And we did this to a point where it was very low um, risk because it's on a platform, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. where we just use a LinkedIn sales navigator. It's not like, I don't traditionally use LinkedIn. So it's not like I'm taking an organic message and reaching out to people. This is a company I paid to do LinkedIn sales navigator for me and they did it and it brought back a couple of larger retainers. So, but these people who don't know me, don't know anything about me, I presented our sales cycle to them. They liked it. We still work together, right? This is three years later, two years later, we still work together. So now going into 23 or 24 now, whatever it is, this now is bigger than a tax business. And we have more data to say we've helped X amount of businesses obtain this kind of level of service. I posted something on my Instagram and I can tell you all our statistics. But now, because I'm looking at my business where I'm looking at it, I can also tell you everything we do, what the transaction, what the average transaction price is, what it costs us to do this, and how profitable we are in doing that. Mm-hmm. So I can now sit and say, I don't want to do this no more. I can do this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And there's probably some room to grow here. But I also... Mm-hmm. Um, this is where we should be doing what we need to focus on so we can start figuring out what a niche is. But then in those other two mindsets, you can look at it and say, well, also, what is the right person for these different services? So now when we have people coming through our our funnel, which we really are going to open up our traditional like sales funnel tomorrow, but we still have organic referrals and people come through. I want to work with you, stuff like that. And when people come through that funnel, we qualify them based on certain categories or based on certain questions and how to answer them. We place them in certain categories and we only try to sell them the service that meets that qualification. You know what I'm saying? And in some cases, we'll turn people around and say, hey, maybe this is not the time to do this, but we can offer you something that's free that you can walk walk away with and be able to and tell you, look, this is the things you need to be doing to get to the point that you're looking to get to where it makes sense for us to step in. Yeah. And a lot of times those relationships really do end up turning into business because we're not trying to say you're not good enough or we don't want to deal with you. We just saying, my way I'm gonna say it is look, what we gonna charge you, the amount of energy we're gonna put in. It doesn't make sense, but still not even putting it like that because that's almost demeaning. Right. I wanna add value to your business. Okay. I don't wanna take away. And if where you at right now, I'm only gonna be able to be uh, expense to you and not an asset, right? Yeah. I want to be able to add value to your company. So in order for me to do that, we got to help you get to this point. Now, I'm not here to help raise revenue for people. I do that for my, a lot of my clients, but that's not my specialty. I went to school for to be accountant. So I help, I give them something they can walk away with that's tangible and help them kind of grow. And I can also make introductions to other clients we have that have been successful in those spaces. And then boom, you know, a lot of times... Six months later, a year later, people come back and they say, I'm ready. And it's like, cool, but we already have an investment in that relationship because we didn't turn them away and we wasn't nasty and mean and and, uh, just didn't pay them any attention. We just allowed them to understand just from a business standpoint, we have to be able to help you. We cannot truly help you for what it's going to cost us to do that. Where are you at right now? Yeah. Let's talk about a few things you pointed out there. So you you have these existing relationships. I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. businesses... uh, 
like because I, you know, I sell, I work at LinkedIn, yeah. selling sales navigator, and I talk to a lot of my customers, and they're so f- hyper focused mm-hmm. on acquiring new business. Right? Yeah, and these are some of these are enterprise customers, but when you're talking like what what they're selling, they're small businesses. Yeah, right, and they haven't perfected their service delivery, their service delivery, yeah. uh, or their product. Yep to even worry about acquiring new customers. Yeah. Right? When they could easily just say, hey, I'm going to expand into my existing customers that have a relationship. Oh, yeah. That have uh, this built-in relationship mm-hmm. that they're willing to let me sell them something new. Yeah. Right? Uh, and prove it out to them. Right? Prove it, yeah. Because I think a lot of times that's where a lot of small businesses mess up is like you try to provide this new service. Mm-hmm. At scale to all your customers, yep. but you haven't even fleshed out what that looks like nope. for for your customer or for you. Nope. Right on a large level, they don't do that. Everybody don't get access to the new iPhone at the same time. It's nope. certain people, right? Like right now, the Apple Pro thing, they only giving that to people they know that's gonna be able to push that product and critique them in the right way to tell you how it works, how it doesn't work. Everybody don't have access to that right now because right. it's not ready. It's not. You know, a lot, I mean? a lot. Even at my company, we will put something out yep. as beta. Beta tested. Beta yep. tested. We'll beta test it internally. Mm, yep. Then we'll beta test it with specific customers. Facts. Right? That yep. are large enough to we can see, okay, well, this will this will benefit them. Yep. Right? Um, and then we push it out, right? Facts. And Facts. sometimes that, that process is longer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that process is really quick. Yeah. Depending on how many bugs you got to work out. Right? This has been a three-year journey for me to where now, and I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into this in terms of man hours, in terms of software, in terms of uh, marketing. And I still haven't outwardly said, this is what we do. This is what we charge for it to a mass group of people because it had to be ready. I had to have a team ready to service the new business that was going to come. Right. I can no longer do it. Like, I technically cannot do and manage. If 500 people came to us and said, all right, we want to put you, we want to work with you on a retainer basis, I can't manage that. How could I? And then that was the other piece of it, like re- retainer business. Yeah. I think a lot of times people would be like, why would he give up this tax business that has a large amount of income Yeah, and seemingly gives you more time to, like, have time to yourself right? yeah. to do retain business? Well, when you have somebody on a retainer, that's consistent. Yeah, right? consistent, nonstop. Right? Because if I only do your taxes, you can always go find another tax person. Facts. And the thing is... But if I become a part of your business, yep. it's hard to separate, sever that relationship. It's a different value proposition, too. Right. And it's the tax business is the way that most people look at it when they would call me the tax man. I didn't even like being called the tax man. I was like, bro, I'm an accountant. I really do this. You know what I mean? Right. But you're looking to get the largest refund you could get. If that's what you're looking for, you're going to go get that from anybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? If that's what you focused on. And I don't, people, some people need that money. I understand it. I had started to grow to the point where that was not the level of conversation I was having and the level of thinking I was on. So I wanted to be able to, and I would get frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Like people calling me about their refund. It's like, bro, I sent you the paperwork. I sent you how to do it. Why don't you go to people? Don't, everybody don't know how to read and comprehend. You know right. what I'm saying? And I don't want to get to the point where I'm starting to become arrogant and rude and disrespectful to people. But at the same time, they're not respecting me, my time, and my people's time. They don't care. They want their money. Right. So I had to start realizing, like, you know, this is not the way to scale this business. And it's not for the quality of life I want. And I could have a lot, much larger impact. Like, you know, I might be able to get somebody a, a, their biggest tax refund or whatever that dollar amount might be. 
but I can really tell you I saved somebody a half a million dollars in taxes. What's more impactful? The half a million. What's more valuable of a relationship? Right. I could tell you I, I helped my client walk into the bank and get $2 million in, in funding because their books was right. You know, and in doing that, we had to save a million dollars in taxes because you got to have a certain amount of profit margin to be able to say, this is what I make. Yeah. And that come with paying taxes. And I can tell you that I saved them a lot of money and helped them get money. That's facts. Right. You know what I'm saying? What's more valuable? You know what right. I mean? And now this is me doing this for one or two people. We do, we was doing what well, we still do, like 400 individual tax returns a year. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? What if I could have and that transaction rate for what we do now on the other business is 10x that. Right. So the, if we had the same amount of clients, what would that revenue look like? Crazy. Crazy. But now you could really build a real business. And you can mm -hmm. offer other services and you can really be a, a high level consulting firm because the stuff we're talking about is very complex tax strategy and it involves legal uh, ramifications as well. So you start looking at it it's like, no, nah, I got a whole different type of thing going on than just H&R Block or Jackson Hewitt. You know what I mean? I got a whole different... I think a lot of times people look at that, right? Because I yeah. don't know if you knew this, but I worked for a CPA out of college. Oh, work? That's so good. I did text it. So yeah. like a lot of times... Until I got to a certain point mm -hmm. with my like tax returns, yeah, I just did it myself. Facts, right? Uh, but then when we start, you start adding mortgages, yeah. deductions, and business, stuff, like, I, and like tax laws, yeah. and I hadn't been doing taxes in a long time. Facts. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna just pay somebody. The stakes get too hot, but you yeah. see, even with our relationship, you never heard me say, "Let me do your taxes," right? Because I'm jaded. I know what come with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you wanted to, us to do it, then and we're we going to definitely do it. We're going to do it well. We're going to give you all the attention and help that you need. But the fact of the matter is, that's for me and my viewpoint, you have to have so much money and people to be able to scale that business at an effective rate. Um, it just didn't make sense where I was at right now. Yeah. So... The business, you say you about to launch something tomorrow? Yeah, our sales funnel opens up tomorrow. Just like regular organic advertising, like mm -hmm. uh, social media advertising for the other business, right? The tax planning and the accounting solutions. We haven't advertised that at all. We only ever advertise. We, we stopped advertising, period. Yeah. Like if you follow me on social media, you're going to probably see more about the swear rate than you're going to see about Crane Financial. I mean, I think also... Once you get to a certain level, what what they say, you ain't never seen a Lamborghini commercial, right? Facts. And I used to argue this with my people that we work with for marketing. Like, at the highest level, they don't advertise, but they was like, you're not at that level yet. And I was like, facts. You know, you got to get there. You know, that, that's right. true. But, uh, but I want to model myself that's, that's as the also best. how you look at it, right? Facts, yeah. You are there in yeah. your area, mm -hmm. right? Are we talking globally? Are like, we talking national? billions of dollars? No. No. But, like. You you making good money, yeah. Where like your life is better than most. I wouldn't say that, you know, because we go to uh, Belize and people don't have two nickels to roll together, but they happy and they live on the beach. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm, I'm talking financially, but yes. financially, I mean, what Jay Z say? You don't know my expenses. I had to buy a bigger <laughs> place. It was baggies. You know, I got a front payroll. I got you know, we got yeah. mortgages, car notes. Uh, yeah. I take care of a lot of people. I and a new baby. New baby. He he cheap though. You know, how you want his For time. Now. Yeah. Right now <laughs> For now. On the milk. Yeah, yep, yep. Facts. Um, um but nah, I mean, the fact that I'm I'm thankful to be able to do all the stuff I do and take care of all the things I take care of. And I I don't look at it. A lot of people look at it like, man, I'm trying to consolidate. I'll take on the responsibility because that means for me. I'm probably gonna have a bigger opportunity, or that means I'm in a different position altogether. So I never shied away from the responsibility that came with 
I'm willing to pay the cost to be the boss. You know what I mean? I think that's what separates me from a lot of people I know in general. I'm not running away from expenses. I'm running towards them because the more expenses I have, and I'm talking about to build and grow, not mm-hmm. talking about just frivolous, I'm buying chains and you yeah. know, stuff like that. And I, I, I like jewelry too. But the more stuff that I have to be able to afford that raises my level and my overall nut I got to make every month. And if I can do that and I do it successfully, then I mean, I'm growing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to have more opportunity as time goes on. And I'm going to learn a lot, too. Okay. But it's different. It's like you got to look at it from a standpoint and say, not that I can't afford this, but what do I have to do to afford this? You know what I'm saying? That yeah. mindset very early on I had. Yeah. And I think that's that's a like a super important mindset. Like mm-hmm. people always like, oh man, this costs this to do this. I've never looked at anything like, oh, it costs to do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's the cost of doing business. That's the cost of doing and business. It's the cost of doing business well Facts. at a certain level. At the highest level. Right. Yep. So even in entertainment, what are we doing right now is entertainment. At the highest level entertainment, right now, Jeff Bezos paid $2 billion to get the rights to what? WWE Raw? He paid... No, that was Netflix. Oh, Netflix. I'm sorry. But he paid billions of dollars to get the right to Thursday Night Football, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They're probably going to put a billions of dollar bid together to get the NBA rights that's coming up again this summer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is what you have to be prepared to do in order to really build something. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's not... You can't look at it... Like, right? The conversations I've been having over the last three, four months is, all right, we bring people in that I came up with in the, in the public accounting sector or that I know are high-level accounts. What's your number? What do you need for us to bring you in full-time and work with Crane Financial? They giving me numbers. Okay, I ain't sitting here saying, ooh, man, so what, I'm, what I got to do to get this amount of money so I can pay all these people so I don't have to worry about the delivery of service that we offer our people. And then being top-notch. The top I need the best of the best black accounts I can find right now. Mm-hmm. I got three or four really good ones. That's the top of the line. I need to be able to put them on salary. You know what I'm saying? So they don't have to worry about nothing. Their kids ain't got to worry about nothing. They can take care of their families, and I can continue to take care of my customers. Yeah, and I've and I've said this about businesses. Businesses, like a lot of times, people are like, oh, the recruiter didn't ask me. Like they trying to lowball me. I was yeah. like, well, the recruiter's job is to get the best talent. Yeah, for the least amount of price for, yeah. for the cheapest price. Mm-hmm. But there are certain roles. Yeah, where they do not do that. I can't afford <laughs> to do that right now. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a wealth of talent of people. Where I can say, I am, no, I, I need you. And I and because of the business I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with people's personal information. And we still are so early in our iteration where we have to be, we cannot afford to be wrong. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to trust people I'm working with to know they're going to get the job done right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Be, and they're going to be ethical. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not in a position to say like, oh, I can't afford to pay you that. Now, it's some things like if you told me a number that's just astronomical, I'm going to say, well, where are you going to get that? Where else are you going to get that? Yeah. And be able to work from home and be able to have basically autonomy in your role, and be able to be flexible, and you ain't got to worry about nobody talking to you crazy. You know what I'm saying? Where else? Now you're being unreasonable. Yeah. But the numbers I'm hearing are fair numbers, and it's like, okay, well, what do I need to do to meet that expectation? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And so, what? correct me if I'm wrong, is the goal to scale the business to the point where you can sell it off? Or like, like what's the, what's the ultimate goal? Right like, now... Uh, you know, every business goal is to be able to build to a point where you could possibly sell and walk away into the sunset. Um, I would sell the tax preparation business. Um, we had some preliminary conversations last year. And from what I understand, the way that these numbers are calculated, um, I have a little bit more work to to get the number that I would want to walk away from for that. 
But I could sell it right now for a nice piece of money. And it might be, I don't know though. You know, I will, I, that, yes. Ultimately, I have, uh, still have my tech company that I feel like we can serve people in that same bucket, the mm-hmm. tax prep bucket at a much cheaper price. Um, I don't want to get too far into what that looks like, but that's something I will, will love to do in the, my next phase of life. Mm-hmm. The business we do now on a retainer, I'm not sure I would let that go because um that's that's consistent. Yeah, it's consistent. It's 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 always opportunity to grow. Um, because you gotta think if you add in value, like one of my clients, if I helped him go get a couple million dollars in financing and saved him a million dollars in taxes, that means his business now got three million more dollars of availability and money to spend. He gonna spend some of that with me, you know what I'm saying? And he going to also grow his company, which means he going to need more from me, which means we can grow our relationship. You know what I'm saying? So it's like situations like that. I could see the sky is the limit there. But ultimately, you know, if one of the big dogs wanted to buy it, yeah, we'd sell it. You know what I'm saying? For the right price. That's But that's a 10 year from now conversation. I'm focused on really growing that practice uh, and being like an elite top notch black owned accounting firm in the United States. That's my number one goal over the next 10 years. Okay. Number two would be to have that uh, technology platform launched, functionable, usable. Because I feel like that's what would get me to a billion dollars. You know what I'm saying? I could make millions of dollars doing this. Nice. Uh, but I, I heard, I think the guy's name is Myron Golden. Uh, he's a YouTuber. Okay. Black dude, older black dude. He said, you know, it's three levels of uh, three different ways to make money, and they all have caps. The third, the first way is execution. So doing taxes, right? Mm-hmm. That execution has a cap of, I think, a million dollars, right? Because it's only so many, so much time you can spend. Right. Two is like management, and management has a cap of a hundred million dollars, um, because so that's like consulting. Yeah, well, what we're doing right now, right? And I mean, there's other companies like the largest kind of firms. They do billions of dollars in revenue, but they do management not in just one sector. Every sector you can imagine. And globally. Yep. Every <laughs> angle, you know what I'm saying? Every vertical, every single way that you can do it. So that's like big four, right? Yeah. And that's my background. Yeah. And then um, the highest level is your imagination. So if you have a unique idea or something that could be applied to a global scale, then you can make, you know, trillions of dollars potentially. You know what I'm saying? Because now that's something that you can put in every household for, I mean, the closest to free, possibly. The, Think about Amazon. Yeah, facts. So right. Amazon was a delivery company. Mm-hmm. Then it became a app yep. to allow you to do, yeah. order things and be delivered. Yep. And now it's a streaming service. Yep. A media company. Uh, a whole food, something dealing with Whole Foods, like in touching so many different things. Amazon is going to be the biggest company in the world in probably 10 years. Like, mm-hmm. if they're not already now. But I mean, like, they will dominate. The man just flew, well, he flew a rocket ship to the moon. Or yeah. They're going to dominate every lane. Only thing they probably couldn't touch is the iPhone. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if they can be Apple and like delivering product at that level. Yeah. I also don't know if Apple wants to compete with them on trying to do everything else. Nah. But I think also, like, you you mentioned, and not to get too much into Amazon, but, like, mm-hmm. you talked about, like, them potentially going after the NBA TV yeah. rights, right? That's probably just a play to get... More viewers and more users. Not even more viewers. Maybe not even more viewers on Amazon, but a partnership. Because, you know, everybody moving away from, like, 
cable. The table, yeah. So like something with YouTube or with Google, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't really work together like that. They right don't, now, yeah. Right? So like becoming this conglomerate with yeah. Google, which would dominate something. Yeah, and that's true because if you get the NBA or if you get Because NFL, right now that's on YouTube TV. Yeah. And even if you watch um, the NFL on Amazon, they don't have advertisement there because people don't want to pay Amazon that money. You know what I'm saying? Whereas in the NFL, they hold businesses TV rights, ad dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so we need to have that cross that cr- cross collaboration. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because that's the only way you're gonna get people on Amazon Prime, honestly, to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's like not tour. a bad platform. It's not a bad platform, but the content that they have. Like, yeah. I, I studied this in my like uh, NBA, NBA program. program. Okay. Like, why Netflix, like Amazon, Disney Plus, and all these are not making money? No, Netflix is. Netflix is because they, they have these proprietary yeah. thing, and they're starting to charge people for having different yeah logins right? as they should. But the difference is, is content. Yeah, right? they got their own content, right? And that's why Netflix is getting ahead of what the WWE thing is. Yeah. Like, we're not gonna try to get in the sports thing. Nope, because Amazon already doing that. Mm. Peacock, Peacock doing it. Yep, right. We gonna take a a TV show that we know gets millions, two point two million views a week, a week, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, because now that's going to drive more people to our other content. Yeah, because they're already on Netflix. And WWE has a whole network. Mm-hmm. And with Vince McMahon going out the door, well, it's tight. Wouldn't be surprised if they just buy the whole company. You know, what I'm well, no, because WWE is owned by Titan now. What's Titan? Titan is TKO. So that's UFC and WWE. Oh, snap. Are you serious? Yeah, they're owned by the Damn, I need to. Because be Rock so just became a board member. Yeah, I saw the Rock became a board member. Damn, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, so like, so I could eventually see. Dana White, or they, they bought Dana White out too? Well, Dana's still like chairman of UFC. Oh, wow. So like, eventually I could see, you know how UFC is on ESPN. Uh, ESPN it's so going to be on Netflix. I could see that that could pop, potentially move to like mm-hmm. Netflix um, or something like that, right? Yeah. But to that point is like, where do you put your build your business to a certain point? Yeah, where it can be acquired or become you still acquire because like LinkedIn is like a lot of people know this. LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. Yeah, right. So we still operate as our own entity. Yep. Right. We are just on the Microsoft fiscal year. Yeah. And we are a business line that reports at the end of their. Yep. At the end Up of their top. fiscal year, right? Yeah. And so like, but we still operate. Individually, yeah, right. So getting to your your business to a point that like, yeah, I might be owned by this large parent umbrella, mm-hmm. but I'm still me. Yeah, I'm still I still have my own policies, my own culture. Yep, how I do things, right? And I think that is what people don't understand is like you don't have to sell so quickly nope. that you lose your business because mm-hmm. then people are going to change things about your business. Yeah, that, yeah. that is what has made you successful. Facts. Right? Yeah. And there are going to be little things that you pick up from the larger yeah. company, but like, you have to, you have to be patient. Like, nah, I don't want to get bumped right now. Yeah. And I, that's the, so even the conversations I was having about my little business about selling, it was like, you know, the upside on what we do because I'm in my early 30s, people trust accountants that have gray hair. You know what I'm saying? Uh, also, my age group now is just starting to make money. But imagine if I was 20 years down the line and everybody already was getting money. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. what is the value of our services to those people then? Our largest demographic is just now getting into the six-figure category. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, or consistently making six figures, meaning that they're starting to be able to put some money away. 
So being able to add on services connected to financial planning, retirement planning, all these different things, we can really grow out our, our revenue base pretty pretty fast, you know, strategically. And help them grow their income exponentially fast. quicker. Yep. So yeah. when I was talking about selling, what I kept getting back from bankers and, uh, you know, people like that, and I got relationships with other accounting firms that buy and sell accounting firms or people that sold. And they would be saying, like, you know, we usually do one X of sales or three X of, of, of uh, net income. And from my viewpoint, it's like, you really probably got to give me somewhere between five and 10X because I also have technology platforms built. I have not pre- uh, presented to people. Mm-hmm. I also have the upside of, if like, I could white label my services and be able to still have the funnel being me and mm-hmm. you executing it. But that's going to continue to grow as I continue to grow. You know what I'm saying? But I'd rather just grow it. And then now I got to command a whole different kind of conversation if I want to sell it or if I want to white label it. I've had a conversation this week, a pretty uh, interesting conversation with a larger company saying, look, we want you to do what you do. We just want to white label out the service part of it for anything you can't you can't handle if it's too big. You know, what Mm -hmm. I mean, if it needs too much manpower. I mean, it's different ways to go about doing business. In my viewpoint, all these different opportunities are being brought to me because I continue to do the work. You know what I'm saying? And do good work. That's what's important. Right. That takes a lot of investment. Like people think. Um, people don't understand like all the investment that comes into the business. I had a conversation last night. Somebody said, you got a financial plan. I was like, wow, my only financial plan is to keep invest, invest the money in this business to hope that it brings about the right return because that's going to be, that's going to be the bigger return than any stock market plan can make. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's the journey, bro. I love it though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love it. Even looking at the Amazons, the Netflixes, all these larger multi-billion dollar corporations and sometimes trillion dollar corporations, you want to model your business after what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So not that you have to be doing the same things or offering the same things, but you right now, like I said, this is entertainment. Mm -hmm. This is a piece of game I give anybody that's in this space from a tax perspective and an accounting perspective. I did the research and I said, how does Amazon capitalize or value their content creation Mm -hmm. and the content overall? Right? What is the way that they're presenting this on their financial statements to their benefit because those are assets, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the way that you should approach this, your podcast, and the overall intellectual property that you are putting together to present this should be the same as any large media company does, meaning that everything, every dollar you spend involving your intellectual property, you need to be able to capitalize it and put it on your balance sheet so that it can last you over a 15-year period mm-hmm. and not just on this tax return. You know what I'm saying? And that comes down to a lot of different factors and a lot of different things. But if you want to schedule a consultation with Crane Financial. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I mean, that is a good point, though. Like, I think people don't understand their intellectual property, but also their energy that they're putting into something Facts. is a value like there's a dollar value to mm-hmm. that, right? Yep. Um, and there's there's a very clear way to calculate that dollar value, too. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk. Um, <laughs> all right. So like you gave that free game, mm-hmm. right? If you could go talk to, I don't know, let's say 14, 15 year old Hollis, yeah. What would what what would be the like the piece of advice you would give him? <sighs> 14, 15-year-old Hollis, I would say, you know, uh, you're not wrong to believe that you, you know, got something in you. Keep believing that no matter what nobody says. 
be more confident, maybe talk a little bit less, you know what I mean? But be more confident in that. Because I would say 14 all the way to 17, I wasn't as confident in myself. I believed quietly. And, you know, academically, I knew I was, you know, I was at the level. But I was not as confident in outwardly expressing that to people. I would I would also defer in a lot of situations to others. I would say be more confident, maybe talk a little bit less, but, you know, show and prove. And then also uh, don't quit. I never quit, you know what I mean? But just telling yourself, like, if I looked at the life I have now at 14 to 15, um, I would like to have, like, more money, but that don't mean nothing. The girl who I had the biggest crush on, we just had our first child, and we're going to be getting married soon. You know what I'm saying? Oh, dang, I didn't know that. Yeah, bro, she didn't even know who I was then. She was older than me. So, mm. so um, I don't want to say her name, but my, Kelly, forget it. Kelly, yeah, <laughs> no, Kelly, uh, she's older than me, so we didn't go to high school together. She already had graduated when I came to high school, but I had a huge crush on her when she was in high school. She played basketball. Mm. So, you know, I, I would be happy. You know what I mean? Like, I did the things I thought I was supposed to do. It's just a matter of uh, not getting distracted. You know, 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, I felt like I could have did better. I didn't really focus like that in college. I was just like, you know. I think, I think, but I think that comes with, that's where people that are confident to yeah. that line of cockiness. Yep. I was right? cocky. I was cocky. Right. Point. And like, cause like me, like people like, bro, you made an A in this class. Why don't you make an A in every class? I'm like, because I don't care about that. Class. Yeah. And like, that class ain't got nothing to do with what I want to do. Yeah. Also, them A's don't really mean much. Right. They do mean something. Right. But because I was so social when I was in college, I also had a lot of relationships. So when I started a business, I was able to build it. You know what I mean? Because people knew who I was. They knew my level of integrity. They had some comfort of dealing with me because they got to know who Hollis was. You know what I'm saying? Now, some others, they may have shied away from that because of my reputation at that point in time, but it's all a matter of knowing the whole person, right? Because if you knew me, you would know that I'm extremely intelligent. I'm a hard worker. I just had a personality. I wasn't afraid to show it. You know what I mean? And traditionally in this field, people want you to be like, you know, but, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I think that's also like, you talked about like what people put into you mm -hmm. when you was younger, right? And that's yeah. why I say, I see a lot of me and you, um, because there, we have this age gap, right? Yeah. I'm 37, you just 31. turned 31, right? Yep. But it's like when when you have people pouring into you and telling Facts. you that you are great mm -hmm. growing up, right? Like I even tell people like, where's the affirmation don't really mean nothing to me at this point because I've been affirmed so much growing Facts. up yep. that it's like, thanks, I already know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yep. like I feel uncomfortable now because like, are, are you... Are you trying to say something else? Right. <laughs> like Also, discipline at that age, too. Like, yeah. my pops was real big on, like, you not working hard enough. I remember one time I was like, I work harder than everybody I go to school with. He's like, you go to a shitty school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, you not working hard enough. Right. I was like, dang. Like, you know, it's so it's still that that mentality, too. Like, you got to you gotta continue to go get it. It don't really matter. We watch The Wire. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it don't really matter what you did yesterday. You got to be that. Right now, you know what I'm saying? Every, every day. Yep. Right. Like, and I, like my dad used to be like, hey, you're not trying to go to the NFL. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> and I ain't coming to watch you sit on the bench. Yeah. So, like, and your grade struggling? Like, nah, bro. Like, yeah. but it, it is the, it's like the prioritizing yep. piece of it. Because I, because I was cocky, like, bro, mm -hmm. I know if I go to class and I stay awake. Yeah. Because I was falling asleep. <laughs> Me too. I was <laughs> like, in class. I'm like, I have, hey, I was like, I'm, I when I tell people this, I was like, I've never studied. 
Yeah, I mean, neither, not really. Like, studied, like, sat down, took hours to do something. Yep. Like, to learn material. I was like, bro, if I go to class and I listen, I pick up concepts yep. really quickly. But I don't want to go to class. I was like, I don't. I I did not believe in the Western form of education. Yeah. Well, you probably like didn't learn that way. I didn't learn by lectures and uh, assignments. I learned kinesthetically. I have to do it. So... Mm-hmm. If we were going over the assignment or we were like doing a, a study guide for the test in class, I was going to be really locked in and focused because I have to go through that process to be able to like retain information. You know what I mean? I'm a kinesthetic learner. We don't like in America, we don't necessarily feed to each person's learning styles. It's auditory, visual and kinesthetic. We usually just do auditory mm-hmm. and, vi- and sometimes visual. You know? yeah. And I'm and I am. I'm good at doing things, but I'm also, I have photographic memory. Yeah. So like, a great memory. So like, I'm like, oh, that's the concept. Got it. Yep. Cool. Let's do it. But it, it required you to go to class yep. or to be awake in class. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not good at sitting in there and somebody talking to me for an hour. And I'm like, bro, what is you talking oh, about? I got to take notes. Yeah. This like, is not for me. But I, but I, 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 that's why it's important as like, we don't talk about being parents is important as parents. Mm-hmm. Of black young black men, yeah, to make sure that like, hey, if you're struggling in class, I'm not on your ass because I'm just being on your ass. I need to understand like, wh- what are you doing in class? Right. How are they teaching you in class? Okay, let let's figure out how you learn. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think you know we are in a position where we could get our kids tutors if they need tutors. Yeah. But like, it's really important at the like, what is it like from three like when they're adolescents mm-hmm. to like pour into their kids educationally because like really my my parents barely my dad barely graduated high school my mom got her GD after I graduated college okay so if you if I tell you that profile and then tell you what I did mm-hmm. you'd be like huh how'd you do that right yeah you're but, an anomaly right but what it was was my parents put me in reading labs and math labs yeah at the age of three okay and so like by the time I got to first grade you already got it right i was testing into middle school high school mm-hmm. as an elementary school kid because bro i've been doing this you know most people read at a fifth grade level they, i just recently found this out yeah but it's because people aren't exposed to words that's crazy. i used to do crossword puzzles and read yeah. comics like but it's also how we were raised as children. Yeah, like, facts, i grew up reading comics yep same. i grew up reading i made my own comics when right. I was a kid. like i drew a lot yep. right but but I feel like there's so many things that we we give our kids. Like my kid has a little tablet, tablet, mm-hmm. right? But I'm only letting him watch educational things. You yeah, know, just watching silly stuff, right? right. And he won, mm-hmm. right? So he's not even really getting it. But like when he gets to a certain point, it's like, hey, we gotta start doing. We're yeah. doing math, yeah, <laughs> because That's I don't, what I'm trying to figure I out. I want my now. kid to be able to say like, okay, like whatever I want to do it, whatever I, I want to do, I yeah. can do it. I'm trying to figure that out now because he watched Elmo, mm-hmm. and I like Elmo, mm-hmm. but it needs to become more educational. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I want to be very intentional about kind of how I go about teaching my son things. Mm-hmm. My parents and my grandparents did a really good job. They made us do Black History on Monday, mm-hmm. Bible study on Sunday. My mom was a teacher, so it was always like very educational focused in my household. Mm-hmm. Um I want to also make sure that I do a better job at explaining things to my kids so they can do critical thinking more. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just be like, I'm your parent and I said so. I definitely want to be like, look, you have to understand this, this, and this. And you don't understand these things, do you? So you cannot make it to the decision. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? 
until you're able to make those critical thinking steps, I think that will close the gap in mistakes made. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I got all these theories. Mm-hmm. I don't know until it actually starts happening. I mean, but the, it's, ain't no one with trying it out, right? Yeah. I think there is no one right way to raise, to a, raise child. a child. Yeah, right? facts. The only thing I do believe in is like not abusing your children. Yeah, right. facts. Emotionally or physically. Um, now, I do believe in, you know, if, if you got a pop key, you got a pop key. Yeah, like, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, like, even with my son, like, people, and I, I talk about this on my podcast, so I'm mm-hmm. talking about parenting. Like, people are like, oh, you're very hard on your son. You gotta be. But I'm like, I'm a man. Yeah. He a man. Like, this is for his mama to be nice. And yeah, more. like, he has plenty of people being nice to him, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, I know my son, I can see his aptitude, right? Yeah. If I say, hey, go get your shoes, he know to go pick up his shoes, mm-hmm. bring him, sit down, he's like, Right. Yep. If I say stop doing that, put that down. He's one years old. Yeah. Like, why does he know where to go get your shoes? Is but he can't put that down. Yeah, he could do it. Yeah, facts. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> facts. Like, yeah. Like the other day, I had him. And he looked tired. Like, yeah. He has a tail when he tired. He started doing all this. Yeah, yeah. They yawning, but when he really <laughs> tired. Bro, stop playing, doing whatever he doing, and lay out in the middle of the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, all right, let's go go to, go to bed. Yep. He walked himself. He, I didn't have to pick him up or grab his hand. Bro walked to the room and said, hey, bro, put me in the bed. Facts. Right? Facts. But, so that's why when he act out, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not here for it. Yeah. Because you, I just seen you do right. what you supposed to do. You know how you to sleep. do what's right. Right. Yeah. So like when he, like he was acting out the other day, because he wasn't ready to go to bed. I'm like, mm-hmm. but it's bedtime. Right. Like, I you don't, can play I don't again. care. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just know it's, this is going to be bedtime every day. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why, why? I was like, because he knows. Facts. Like, when I talk to him, I'd be like, hey, I don't want to hear no more noise. Mm-mm. Just go to sleep. Yep. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> I'm going to turn the light off. That's a real and dad. You go to sleep. Yeah. That's real dad. And shit. You go to sleep. Like, yep. but I think a lot of people are like, oh, he, he's not old enough, right? No, he old enough. Right. And like my, and the daycare lady tell mm-hmm. me like, oh yeah, he, he can repeat things. He count, we count the 10. I'm like, okay, cool. So that means when I give him a, a, a math book at three. Yeah. He going to know how to handle he it. He going to be okay. And we going to go through it together. We going to go through saying? it together. We yep. going to walk through it. But like, yep. I'm not going to handicap my son because I think he's a baby. Yeah. No, you can't, you cannot do that. One of the things, uh. Me and my dad, we clash all the time. Me and my dad got a great relationship, but we clash all the time. Yeah. Um, and, like, we just recently got into it. Not because, like, I, oh, I hate you. You're a terrible father. In the argument, I'm like, you are a great father. But you do not have to say things the way in which you're saying. I don't need to be t- talked to this way. I'm not a child anymore. But stuff like that, um, I still am very thankful for the way that he did do certain stuff because it made me a man, like an yeah. actual man. I'm a man. I go about my business like a man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And... I'm thankful for that. I can realize that now as opposed to some people that you know. And it's like, bro, this is how you thought you were supposed to handle this? Like, as a man, you was going to... Whether it be situations with women, mm-hmm. situations by themselves, right? right? You thought you were supposed to handle this situation like this as a man. This was acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. My father wouldn't allow those type of things from you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm thankful. Really standing on business. Yeah, facts. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, I know I have an obligation to take that and improve on that design, right? right? You cannot just give children what they want. I remember my dad one time, I was like, can I get this? And he's like, no. I was like, I know you got the money. He pulled the money. I said, it's my money. Not you know true. what I'm saying? Not sure. You don't need that. He's right. like, you don't need none of that stuff. So you could 
Let it go. You're like, no Bill's character. So, no. <laughs> and laughed and put the money back right. in his pocket. But I think a lot of times people don't understand that, mm-hmm. that that word, no. Yeah. Like, no is very powerful. It is. Because it sets a boundary. Yep. Right? Like, mm-hmm. hey. And I tell people all the time, like, I'm going to have money. Yeah. You mere can't ask me for no money. Yeah. Like. Facts. Unless it's for you, something that you if, need. If you need it, yeah. cool, you got it. But, like, just because I got money, you ain't got nothing. No, bro. you got to work. Nothing. I'm going to put stuff to the side for you, of course. You got to work. But you still got to work for mm-hmm. it. And if you don't work for it, then you won't get it. Facts. Like. You're not going to have access this, to it. Like, didn't nobody give me nothing? Nope. Got to work. Right. You got to get it out. Of, like, at the end of the day, like, I think, and I think a lot of parents that become upwardly mobile mm-hmm. lose that. Yeah, like, no. You can't just give your kids you give your, Yeah, give your kids things you didn't have. But at a certain point, they got to earn it, too. Facts. Right? Because. When they get on the street road, like out here in these streets, ain't nobody gonna get them nothing. They gonna be asked out, and I wouldn't even say you gotta get. I'm I, I was not a child that didn't have the things I didn't I needed. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I can't even say, oh, I didn't have this. I, that was not my experience. I had everything I needed. We right. always had food. We always had light, water, heat, cable, mm-hmm. the stuff that I didn't even need. I had. You know what right. I'm saying? So for me, it's not so much about giving them things as much giving him time and attention and understanding. Right? right. Peace of mind. Right, those and structure, those things matter, bro. I tell you one time, the the biggest thing I wanted from my parents growing up was time. Facts, like facts. I was like the accolade, like the like praising me, mm-hmm. the gifts. That because I'm not even a gifts person, so even I don't even care. Mm-hmm. What pissed me off when I was a kid was like if I had a sporting event or a school event and y'all weren't there. Yeah, that's tough. Like, because you had to work. Yep. And that's why I was, I was like, I'll never put myself in a position where I can't be there. Facts. Bro, even with me, like, I'm going to work 24-7, but when my girl and my son walk in the door from her picking them up and she coming home from work, I'm done working. Mm-hmm. I'm not working until they go back to sleep. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be present. I'm going to be right here dealing with my family because it's not it's not worth not having that time. Right. Because you don't get so that time back. You do not. It's so important. Right. Yeah. Um... It is it's great seeing you being like becoming a father. Thank bro. you. Right. What is it? We about five, you're five, five months, months tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's crazy because you launch your thing tomorrow. Yeah, too. facts. Yep. Um, but like, you know, as I said, I'm here to support you because it's 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 different when your when your homie's still outside and yeah. you and you not a dad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like, is different. Because, like, <laughs> all right, y'all want to pull up to the crib because I got the kid and I can't really do that. Hey, that's why I say you come up watch football. Right. I can do that. <laughs> right, because people don't like even the standing on like standing on the business piece, right? Yeah. Like about being a man, like yeah. like when people be like, oh, it's so great that you like moved here for your child. I was like, that's the only. Option. I was like, what what other option did I have? That's the only option. I made I made this person. I'm gonna I gotta be there, be there for you. Yeah, facts. Right, like, that's the only option. And like, but to your point, like having that father, mm-hmm. I gotta make sure that the things that my dad gave me, yeah. my right, wrong, or indifferent, facts, right? Because me and my dad, we clash too. Yeah, like I told we yeah. had that conversation yeah. when I was at the house. It's just a part of what happens. Dad, like because me and him are very much alike, mm-hmm. right? I'm like I don't like how you talk to me, and if you talk to me crazy, it's gonna escalate. Yeah, right. And we don't need. Man, that. I wonder how I'm gonna deal with that. How you gonna deal with that when your son buck up with you? Oh, we're going to square up. Man. I'm like, but this is the thing. I know not to talk to my son. I'm not going I'm not going to talk to my son in a way that I feel that he's going to feel like he need to buck up at me. Be- because it, it's under like understanding language and mm-hmm. understanding how to frame things to people. Like I could tell you, hey, don't this is my house mm-hmm. and you're gonna do what I say. 
Is that even necessary? No, no, no. What I'm saying, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like people are like this is my house, you're gonna do what I say. Yeah, facts. Or be like, son, you haven't earned the right. Yeah, that's totally to, different. To tell yeah. me what to do in my house mm-hmm. because you don't pay no bills. Here. You don't. Facts. And I love you. Yeah. When if you get to the point where you can't live by my rules, you gonna have to go. You have to leave. Yeah, facts. There, there is a very different that's totally way of saying, different. Yeah. It, saying yeah. things, right? Facts. And as I get older, I will be able to frame things even better. Yeah, right? facts, facts, right? But it's like, you don't got to talk down to your child, right? Mm-mm. Right? Like, because your child didn't ask to be here. Nope. Right? And so, I think, you know, my son, my, I'm already seeing his yeah. little personality. He going he gonna to be moody like me. He don't, he's like, nah, I don't, I don't really like how you said that. Right. <laughs> like, so until you say it differently, <laughs> like, right. but he also wants to be loved on. So, like, I know if I love on him. Mm-hmm. Cause that's like for me, you could talk to me crazy, but you still got love on me. Facts, right? But to my point, I was making about my dad is like, my dad got up and worked every day. Yep, same. Right, and worked multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. Right, he provided for his family. Facts. He was there for me, even if I didn't want him to be there for me when my parents definitely divorced. Right. We are we lose that in our community because the the dudes ain't they dad ain't there to tell them like, hey, yeah. bro. As a man, there's just certain things that are unacceptable. Yep. Right? Because, like, we have the whole sassiness thing. I ain't even talking about the being sassy. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Because, I mean, how you expect a man not to be sassy? He raised by his mama. Yeah. But, Facts. but there are certain things as a man, hitting on women, not, not take care of your responsibilities. Yeah. Not being present for your kids. Facts. Not being disciplined. Mm-hmm. Because discipline is, like, a man's... Trait. You gotta be disciplined, yeah. Yeah, like I, I can't do that because I have other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Being able to say no. Yeah. Right. Um or just okay. having self-control. Right. You like, might could do it. You might could do it and still have your responsibility, right. but this is not the right thing it's to not, do. It's not I should not stay out till three yeah. o'clock in the morning knowing that I gotta get up. It's at not gonna lead, yeah, it's not <laughs> gonna lead to the situation that I, is I'm gonna be in my best position to be myself. I can't right. do this. Yeah. Right. And that and that is the important piece of like a black man. Mm-hmm. Or just men in general, men in general. being there for their children, Fact. especially their sons, mm-hmm. because you are you become the litmus test, you become the standard of mm-hmm. what he wants to be. Because I, I pray every day that my son is a better man than me. Facts, yeah. Because if he a better man than me, then he a really, really good. Solid, gonna be good. Right. Hey, I hope. Marty said the other day, she's like, "That's the real big hollow." And Kelly said all the time, "I hope so. I want to be bigger, faster, stronger, smarter." Everything better. That's better my son. Than, yeah. And that's what my dad told me. He was like, all I wanted was for you to be better than me. Yeah. That's it. Like, if you better than me, then. Yeah. My dad told me, he was like, man, you're doing a great job. So I was like, I got the blueprint from you. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's the conversation we had pretty much every day. And it's a, it's a, I'm thankful that we all in the same space, basically. My parents moved down the street from me. I'm so thankful of that because that's the village I had. My grandmother was our next door neighbor. At one point, my father's mother lived with us because she was sick. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And like that stuff played an important role in just getting a consistent message and having a consistent like day-to-day routine. My kid, man, I really I'm excited to see who he becomes as a young man. Right. I'm also excited to see how I develop with him. And like you said, being able to present those things differently and saying, look, son, the reason you have to cut the grass is because you have to learn how to be disciplined. And to do things that you don't want to do. Yep. And do it well. Right. right? And that is it. Point blank period. It's not go, It's not about fun. It's not about fun. It's not a, this is not a punishment. Yeah, no. Nah, it's just you have to learn how to exercise the muscle of discipline and responsibility. 
Point because it's a lesson, right? Yes, yep. Because I, I pray yep. God, like, thank you for the lessons you provided. Yep. And the lessons that are yet to come. Amen. Because yep. At the end of the day, everything can, can be a lesson learned, mm -hmm. right? Even in the bad, right? Yep. Oh, damn, that didn't work out how I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, what can I learn from that experience yep. to do better the next time? Facts, right? yeah. Or just like, how can I apply what I learned in this situation to a completely yep. opposite, different situation that ain't got nothing to do with that? Yep. Right? Like, I always tell people, like, me, like, pursuing Alpha mm -hmm. taught me how to make something out of nothing. Yep. Right? Have limited to. resources to get something accomplished, to have great. You got to, yeah. They're like, you're so great at time management. I'm like, you got to be. You got to be. Yep. I had to be if, doing schoolwork. Yep. And make sure if something needs to be done, it got it's done. It's done. You gotta be able to do all these things. At and I ain't gonna win. No. <laughs> so, zero. Like, zero. It's like everything that seems bad in the moment ain't necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. It's building a callus, it's building a muscle memory of like, okay, this is how I can apply the situation. Yep. Right. Well, bro, I appreciate, appreciate you coming it. through. This was a great conversation, yeah, man. Yeah, we gotta do it again. But Facts. as always, guys, uh, be easy or don't, but every choice has a consequence and every action has a reaction. So uh, be your best self because everybody's already taken, and I'll catch y'all next time. Amen.